Well, hello. Thanks for joining me. Today, we're going to talk about Believer. When you were young and a thunderstorm hit, especially if you were in bed sleeping or even on the couch watching TV and a loud thunder crash and it startled you and scared you. As a very young child, you probably cried and ran to mom. You didn't understand. You were scared. This loud noise and then lightning flash so you could see flashing lights. Maybe even the power in the house fluttered a little bit. You got scared, ran to mom. Mom, 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 help me. Now maybe you ran to dad, but you were scared. You were frightened. You were afraid. You didn't know what was happening. Where was this loud sound coming from? And what did it mean? Was there danger? It feels like danger. And your mother or your father would try to console you and pick you up and rub your back. And if you're sitting on the couch together, and another thunderclap hits. You would do everything to kind of try and crawl inside your parent. You'd push yourself behind your mom on the couch, trying to get as close as you possibly could and to be as far away from the danger as you could. And mom would continue to try and comfort you, make you feel better, help you relax. And most moms will say reassuring words in a nice, calm voice. It's okay. It's just a thunder. It's just a storm. The storm is what puts the nitrogen back in the soil so that the crops can grow. (laughs) That's what I heard. (laughs) We don't stay like that. Our experience in life teaches us that thunderstorms can be loud and a little scary, but for the most part, they don't harm us. They don't cause any physical harm. Though, as an older child, you may have seen or heard of damage to someone's home or a tornado. And so you still may be frightened and scared. And you don't necessarily behave the same way you did as a child, but you still want to hear those reassuring words. You still want to know that everything's going to be okay. So you turn to mom or dad and you seek that. You want that assurance. You want to know everything will be okay. And you believe them. You believe what your parents say because they have done other things and you've had other experiences that have shown you that you can trust your parents. You can have faith in the fact that when they say it's going to be okay, you're probably going to be okay. As a parent, if you're afraid of thunderstorms or you're in a situation where you're afraid and you're alone, you might act afraid. But if you're with your children, you will not act afraid. You will push that fear behind. You will squelch it within you to look as brave as you possibly can be because you know your children are looking to you. Your children are watching you to make sure that your voice saying everything's going to be okay line up with your body language saying everything's going to be okay. (laughs) We know as parents, we believe as parents that our children will respond how we respond. And as children, we believe our parents to protect us and take care of us. And that's a real basic belief system. Welcome to Living Brightly with Elaine Cross. Today we're gonna talk about belief and what it means to be a believer. So we're gonna move beyond the parent-child relationship and look at what it means to believe in God. Thanks for joining me. Believer. The first letter in brightly, 
Welcome to the Living Brightly podcast with Elaine Cross. I've taken the letters to Brightly and turned them into an acrostic, which each letter represents some foundational idea or concept that explains how and what it means to live brightly. The first letter is B, and B stands for believer. What do you believe? How do you believe? Are you a believer? How being a believer enables you to live brightly. There are three keys to a believer, and we're going to talk about those three keys today. One, the first key is that all of this is not random, that God created all that we see and all that we don't see, and it wasn't random. It was very orderly and purposeful. So what does that mean? Well, in Colossians 1, uh, I believe it's 15 through 17, it states that God created all that we see and all that is unseen. Well, there are two trains of thought. They both kind of begin with the Big Bang, but quickly, quickly have divergent paths. The first is sequential evolution. And with sequential evolution, they believe that at the Big Bang, there was this spark of energy or something that started this evolutionary process, this primordial soup suddenly had single-celled organisms. And those single-cell organisms somehow, some way, spontaneously mutated into a multi-cell organism. And over a lot of time, there were a lot of these spontaneous mutations, and things mutated into a more complex, more ordered fashion, to the point where we have all the organisms on the earth today. So from that primordial soup and a lot, a lot of time and a lot of spontaneous mutations, we have the diversity of the animal kingdom, the fish kingdom, the plant kingdom, different types of trees, the different types of bugs, the different types of viruses, you name it. They all came from that primordial soup and these spontaneous mutations becoming more and more and more complex and functional. The second path is that God created everything, or God created the heavens and the earth. And at the Big Bang, God said, let there be light. So in this train of thought, this belief system starts a little bit before the Big Bang. The Big Bang would be when God said, let there be light. But prior to that, The Bible teaches us that God created the heavens and the earth before the Big Bang, before he said, let there be light. The earth is everything that we can see, feel, and touch. All the elements, all the molecules, all the particles that make up everything we see, which includes a lot of things we don't see. We don't see individual cells, but we know that we're made up of cells. We don't see individual elements or particles, but we know they're there and we've measured them. So that would be the earth. The earth is all this physical stuff. The heavens is the spiritual side, the other reflection of God himself in a manner of describing it to us humans was heavens, the heavens and the earth, the spiritual and the physical. And then God said, let there be light. And he separated the light from the darkness. That is the believer's path for those who live brightly. 
We believe that God created all that is here, all that is seen and unseen. We believe that God created you and God created me. So that is the first key to believer, that this isn't random, that God created all that we see and don't see, that God created this wonderful universe, this wonderful planet. He made it very purposefully, very orderly, very carefully, and he placed us in it along with fully developed animals, trees, birds, bugs, all of it to work together harmoniously or somewhat harmoniously. (laughs) There's been some changes since that original creation, but we'll get to that later. The second key to a believer is that we are more than animals as humans. God placed us here to tend the earth, to take care of this great planet, this great creation that he gave us. Everything from our personal bodies to the rivers, the streams, the wild animals, and the domesticated animals, the birds, the fish, all of it. God placed us here to tend and care for the garden. He gave us work to do. We are more than animals. Animals are beautiful and diverse and fantastic and very, very diverse. Diverse sets of animals and organisms, so much so that our biologists have created great schema to identify and group and sort them into different kingdoms and phylums and species. It's a wonder, all the different types. Look at the different types of dogs. And the different types of dogs have been able to create by crossbreeding different other types of dogs. Animals are very simplistic, not in their creation. They're very complex organisms, but their role is very simplistic. Animals find food, build nests, and reproduce. Virtually every kind of creature, that's what they do. They find food that is readily available to them, sometimes with the help of humans, but they find food. They build nests or homes. A beaver builds a beaver dam. A bird builds a nest, a bear finds a cave, and they make their nest, they find a mate, they reproduce, and they continue that cycle for their whole life. But what I mean by simplistic is that's pretty much the extent of it. They find food, they build nests, they reproduce. They find food, they build nests, they reproduce. So much so that you can identify the type of animal by the nest that you find. If you find a certain bird nest, you can identify the general type of bird that makes that nest. A robin makes a very different nest from a blue jay. And even more different is a hummingbird nest. They're all birds, but they're all very different. They eat different things and they live different lives. But they still find food, build nests, and reproduce. Humans, on the other hand, yes, we find food, we build nests, we bake houses, and we reproduce. But we do a whole lot more. Could you imagine a life where that's all you did? And we can imagine. It would be a very base life. It would be a very subsistent life. We would consider it a struggling life. Because your whole life would be focused on finding food and keeping shelter, staying safe, 
defending yourself from wild animals, maybe, and reproducing and hoping that at least two of your children survive to reproduce yourself. Yes, animals, many will live in packs or groups. Humans, we live in families. And we don't just make a house. We make very unique and special houses. Even in a development where they develop hundreds of houses with maybe eight simple blueprints, each house is uniquely different. The layout is slightly different. The coloring is different. The landscape is very different. The type of artwork, the type of colors, the type of trees planted in the yard, or if there's trees at all, maybe there's a basketball hoop, maybe there's a pool, maybe there's a big patio for entertaining. Maybe it's a small little backyard because they don't like to have people over to their house. We humans are very unique in the food that we eat. Could you imagine going to a restaurant and everyone at the table ordering the exact same meal? It's a rarity if two people at the table order the same meal. Unless you're going to a burger place and they have great burgers and you happen to like exactly the same toppings as your best friend. Usually, we all get different things and it can take time for different people to choose what they want off the menu. How often would you return to a place if they only had one option on the menu? Well, for an animal, that'd be great. Have you ever had a pet, your dog, your cat, your pet snake for that matter? You can feed them the same brand of food, the same flavor, the same style for days and weeks and months on end. Now, many pet owners do mix things up for their pets and they'll buy a variety. But a pet is completely happy to have the same food every day, day after day, week after week, month after month. I don't want to eat the same lunch two days in a row. Some people refuse to eat leftovers after a dinner. We love to create. And one of the things that we create as humans is food. Food and housing alone show us how different we are from animals. And yes, there's a lot more to that, but let's keep moving. So the first key was we admit that this is not all random, that this was very purposeful, very intentional, very orderly, this world we live in, and that God created us humans different from animals. We are made in his image, in his likeness, with both a spiritual side and a physical side. And we live balanced between those two realities. We're very creative and unique and expressive, like God is. But we still like a house, like food, and like to reproduce. So we get it both sides. The third key to a believer who's living brightly is purpose. God created, ordered, fine-tuned this world. He placed in it natural laws like gravity and entropy. And he put us in this universe garden as caretakers. He told us to tend the garden, to take care of it, to honor the resources that are provided. Like all the animals and the birds and the fish, we can use the things that are in the earth and on the earth, but we have to be mindful. We have to take care of them. For the most part, we're getting better at that. And we've done better at some times and done worse at some times. But we are here on purpose. This isn't a mistake. This isn't an accident. One of the things that we are here to do is to push back against entropy. Because contrary to the other belief system, things are not going toward order. The scientists have confirmed everything is going toward chaos. 
That's entropy. It's a law of physics. It's a natural law of how God made the world to work. And it's one of the reasons we're here to tend the garden. We're here to build things and develop things and create things. But things get destroyed. Things get broken. Plants grow where they shouldn't. And people abandon homes. So we need to clean up when storms go through. We need to make sure that when we identify something that we're using, something that we've created, like DDT, that damaged the shell on bald eagle eggs, that we identify that problem and say, hey, we need to stop using this stuff because our bald eagles are dying and soon we're not going to have any left. So we fix the problem. And now the bald eagle population is very healthy and doing better every, every year. The same for the wolf. The wolves are pretty vicious and they hunt in packs. So they allowed people to hunt them a little too much. And the gray wolf was disappearing from the western states of the United States. So they preserved some. They put them in a preserve and helped them reproduce and populate and get stronger. And what they realized when they reintroduced the wolf in the west, the whole ecosystem rebounded where and how the grasses grow, where and how the different um, animals migrate and move, all changed and improved. And because the grasses grew in places and trees grew in other places, the whole water system improved and the water cycle improved, all because we saved the wolf and reintroduced it to the wild. That is doing our job. Now, we're allowed to hunt the animals. We just have to make sure we do it wisely. You are here for a purpose. This time, this place, this year, right now. You are here because God placed you here purposefully, uniquely created by the hand of God with unique skills and talents to serve his children and him. Just surviving to being born is a huge miracle. There's so much to the creation of a baby. We don't think about it because people get pregnant every day. And yet there are a lot of people who can never have children. And just the statistics alone, millions of sperm can reach an egg and it not be fertilized. It's a wonder. It's a God thing. And you're here on purpose. You're here with a job to do, to be a good steward, to push back against entropy to create and share and use your skills to bless other people and glorify God. We have looked at these two belief systems, and the one seemed very short and very direct. And the second one was a little more complex. Now, I did not mean to intentionally give more time to one belief system than the other, but the first belief system is pretty straightforward. Now, both belief systems have scientists and bodies of evidence that support this belief system because science is an expression of man's intelligence and man's ability to explain how the world was created, how the world came to be, what it is that we experience. Now, as you heard, not everything can be experienced. As a child, when we experienced a thunderstorm and we reached out to a parent for comfort, trusting and believing that that parent was going to protect us and take care of us, 
we gained experience so that as we got older, we learned that thunderstorms are not a huge threat, that there is a scale and there is a severity to a thunderstorm. And the vast majority of thunderstorms are not incredibly dangerous and are certainly not a threat to life or limb. If you behave in a certain behavior, you don't go outside on a golf course and try to play golf with a metal golf club, right? We know some basic things because we've learned them with the help of science. We've also learned them because of what we've experienced in our life. That doesn't go far enough to explain these two belief systems. Though both would say, I have very strong scientific proof. I would have to beg to differ. There's an ounce of faith for either belief system. Maybe a pound of faith. But we have to decide. Certainly at this point, you can understand that you have to choose which belief system you believe. Do you believe that we all came from primordial soup? And by all, I don't mean just all people. I mean all of everything. Every different type of grass. Every bug. Every tree. Every type of dog. Every type of animal, bird, fish, seaweed, crabgrass, poison ivy, lilacs, daisies, they all came from primordial soup, or they were all handcrafted by God. Now there's a big difference between those two, and we see this in politics. Politics is really an expression of deeply held belief. Now there are people that believe either of these two belief systems on either side of the aisle or any type of political organization, because they have one or two very strongly held ideas that they think need to be taken care of, and that group will help them. Now, of course, there are some broad strokes and in generalities, they're pretty separated, but there are people on either side of the aisle that believe these belief systems. Because they haven't clearly defined their beliefs, they can more easily muddle between the two. And really, you can't muddle between the two. You either believe one or you believe the other because they're pretty divergent. You might say they're 180 degrees apart from each other. Defining your beliefs, establishing your beliefs, Maybe you don't know everything. Maybe you don't have the answers to all the questions, which is okay. We're all learning. We're all growing. But if you believe that there's a God and you believe that God sent his son, Jesus, there is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But you have a little trouble with the evolution because they make it sound so appealing. And seven days sounds a little ridiculous. Okay, I don't know. From everything I can tell, according to the Bible, time didn't really start until Adam took his first breath. So I don't know when or how long or how many iterations of man God made before he decided on man. I don't know. Maybe one day I'll know it. For right now, I believe. I believe in God. I believe in creation. I believe all of this, everything I see, feel, touch, and things I don't see, was created intentionally, purposefully, uniquely, perfectly. And over time, 
it has started to decay a little bit. That what the scientists see as entropy and chaos, the move toward chaos, explains the other things that are happening. Not only is the world less perfect, so are us people. We're certainly imperfect. To me, and this is my belief, it would take greater faith to believe it all started in primordial soup. Single cell organisms became multi-cell organisms, and those multi-cell organisms became more and more and more complex until they apparently reached a pinnacle or it's constantly happening that we replace the dinosaurs and the bees are going to replace us and this is just going to keep going. I don't know. I don't know. They keep trying to find a link between humans and animals that they just can't make. Maybe one day they will, and I'll be wrong, but I'm okay with that because I've decided what I believe. And because I decided what I believe, and it's part of this firm foundation that I build my whole life upon, then the decisions and the storms, those thunderstorms that come into life, and I'm scared and I'm afraid, I can go to my heavenly father and say, Daddy, I need your help. I'm scared. And he will respond. And I know that because I pray and I talk to God now. And I wasn't always really good at praying. And I certainly wasn't very good at hearing and feeling God's presence with me. And it's not that I have an audible voice in my ear or Jesus appears as an image to me. My belief has built my faith. And my faith builds my courage and my determination to see the world from God's perspective. So establishing your beliefs, deciding what you believe, and then pouring into that, growing into that, defining that, establishing that, becomes the strong arms in a storm. My beliefs give me the peace in a storm. My beliefs give me confidence in the tasks of the day or the challenges that I face. My beliefs give me direction and motivation. My beliefs keep me anchored to God and I build that relationship. But it also impacts how I relate with other people. So defining your beliefs and deciding who you're going to go to or what you're going to do when storms come makes a big difference. If I believed in the evolution primordial soup model, you and I are nothing more and no more important than a blade of grass. So if humans are such a deficit to the planet and our time is waning, you know, because the bees are coming behind us and they're going to they're going to take over as the more intelligent creature, it doesn't matter if we kill babies. It doesn't matter if we kill old people. It doesn't matter if we just kill people because there's too many people on the planet. It doesn't matter. There's no value in a life. There's no value in a person. We're no more valuable than the pine tree in the backyard, the dandelion that you just put weed control on to get out of your front lawn to make it look nice and green. I don't believe that. I see the difference between animals and humans. I see the creativity and the beauty and the wonder of what humans have created, what humans have learned, what we have established, what we have built 
even the ancient ruins from old civilizations long gone, and we unearth them through investigation and inquisitiveness. It's a wonder to me. It's a beauty. It's a it's the touch of God. Believer, you are uniquely, purposefully created by the very hand of God for this time and this place with unique skills and unique talents to serve God and to serve others. And when we clarify what we believe, whether we can explain it all or not, then we can seek God to answer the questions. We can go to God. We can go to his children. We can go to others who believe like we believe and get support and community and reassurance. We can get clarity and peace. And that's what I want. And when I am grounded in my belief and you are grounded in your belief and you know what you believe and you're committed to that belief, your foundation becomes stronger. It becomes more solid. It becomes immovable. No matter the storms, the trials, the challenges, whatever will come. That's the contentment that Peter talked about. I am content in everything, whether plenty or lack, right? That's where I want to be. That's where I want you to be. That is a believer who's living brightly, who knows what they believe and stands firmly on it. And you're here because God created all of this for you, for us, for us to live brightly as a believer. Thanks for joining me. Living Brightly with Elaine Cross. What it means to be a believer in this world right here, right now is a wonderful thing and a blessing. Till next time.